0: The Press Box Best of 2019. Joining us on episode 15, Tom rain Well, we've got a very special guest as we do each week on The Press Box. And this week, it's none other than Channel 9's uh, and 5AA's very own... Uh, Tom Rean, welcome to you Tommy. Thank you Tuggers, thank you boys, uh, great to be on board and finally catch up. Now we we love you, your personality just it's it's bigger <laughs> than your body. It's all um, fake. It really? <laughs> Tell us about it. Um, you love the media so much and you do, basically you're on it every single minute of every single day how do you stay so happy and so involved with, with your job?
1: Well my wife hates it when I get home so she wants me out of the house <laughs> as much as she possibly can so that's got a bit to do with it um, but she's very supportive you know so that makes a big difference you know got a young family um so having that support's important but i think as well and i'm sure you guys who work in it find the same the more you do um the more opportunity there is so i find that doing radio helps the tv stuff helps doing a bit of mc stuff a bit of calling um it's hard yakka and Mm. you know we all work in it and people glamorise it a lot from outside, but it's, as you guys know, bloody hard work at times, and we get paid pretty well, but we don't get amazing money. So to make a decent clip, you've got to do a few things, and I just figure... While I'm fit enough and ugly enough and stupid enough to do it, <laughs> try and make hay while the sun shines. Now you're
2: pretty modest. You are the hardest working person <laughs> in are. the industry. I'm led to believe that you recently had a, a bit of a crook spell, where in fact that you were calling something. You decided to duck into hospital and then go out and call another sport.
1: Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I um I was really crook and you know just had that really acute abdominal pain and I, I just went, I'm, I'm no good. So I was complaining, you know, like a man flu. I said to the missus, I. <laughs> I can't do this, and she said, "Go to hospital. I'm sick of you complaining." So I, I went on. I went on the Friday night into the Wakefield, and then woke up Saturday morning, and I had to call the netball the next day for nine, and the showdown that night for um, Croc Media. So yeah. I thought, I can't, I can't pull out at this stage because they wouldn't. They, they didn't have another commentator for the netball in Adelaide. So I said to the nurse, I said, "Look, I've got to get out of here." And I was pretty high on. Um, the morphine at that stage and the the antibiotics. And he said, Tom, if you have to come back, his name was Rick, 60-year-old fella, great bloke. He said, if you've got to come back, no dramas, you won't get charged again because it's the same condition. I said, mate, she'll be fine. About an hour later, I thought Rick was right. I shouldn't have bloody left. Anyway, (laughs) halfway through the netball game, I was in absolute agony. By the time the footy game finished, I was calling with Kim Dillon. I was almost crying. I was in that much pain. Anyway, that night I went back, or the next morning actually I went back and Rick was there again, and he said, "Probably shouldn't have left. Should you have said, 'No, nah. get me the, get me the morphine, <laughs>
2: blow
1: me up'?" So that was a stupid decision. So you can be dumb about it,
3: but uh, you pulled through. Uh, uh, unlike someone else here, <laughs> who, who just uh, <laughs> called in a call, called, called in the sick <laughs> card. But uh, how do you switch off? Because personally, for me, I find it very hard to switch off. Yeah, you you think you're going to miss something, but uh, how do you actually turn the Turn the switch off.
1: I think probably the kids, you know, that's really mm. important, you know, just immersing yourself in their world. And the good thing is I'm pretty immature, as you guys know, so <laughs> it's easy for me to do that, um, to be on their level or them rise up to my level. Um, <laughs> yes. But then I try and do a bit of running, indoor soccer once a week. I'd like to play more golf, um, but as you know, time mm. is the toughest thing. Um, but I think it's well Fletch, because I love it. I can lose myself in sport, and I reckon that's the key with any job, you know, Mm. if you love what you do um, and I love sport, like I'll go home after this tonight and I'll watch the world cup for an hour and a half um, or two hours before bed. So, you know, because you love it and then it's homework, Mm. you know, it helps the next day when I'm on radio or doing whatever. So that just feeds on itself. And I think that's where we're all lucky. We work in sport and we love it. That makes a massive difference.
0: It certainly is like a dream job, isn't it? A lot of people would love to do what you do. Yeah. Tell me how you became so deep in this industry and end up in the job that you are in.
1: I mean, like a lot of things, and particularly in media, lucky. um, I finished uni, I did a three-year course, um, needed to get some work experience. This was sort of the start of 2004, had just been away to Europe, um, you know, it's no money left, and knew someone at Channel 7 who's still there, the publicist is still there, um, Libby Rayner, and... Got work experience, did a week's work experience. And at the time, Dion Hayman and Paul Dowling had just been made redundant. So they needed, they needed a young sports reporter. Cheapest chips, obviously, when you first start out. And luckily enough, made the right impression. So just went from there. Very lucky. Right place, right time. Um, and I know it is really difficult. But, gee, it seems like yesterday and it's 15 years later.
0: It's perfect when you can actually find yourself in the job that you love so much and you're doing television. Uh, How did you wind up at Channel 9 and now presenting on screen? That's brilliant.
1: So I went to Melbourne for a few years after starting at Channel 7 here in Adelaide. After about three and a half years, I thought it's time to give it a crack, you know, in in the big smoke that's when I you know probably got addicted to coffee and also and also gambling so um that, that was where I found my love for the races uh, sadly haven't shaken either of those vices um, so I went over there for a few years and then came back you know in part for family and at the time I really wrestled with it because Melbourne is such um, a sporting capital um, so much going on but in a way and Sarah was really good my wife and said look it's a smaller sort of market over here you can you can do a little bit more like the radio, the TV and a few other bits and pieces. So was in Melbourne for three years, still have a lot of good friends over there. Mm. Miss it, but I'm glad that I came home because having a young family with grandparents around makes such a big difference. Mm. You've covered
2: so much sport over your time uh, as being a journalist. What's some of the highlights that stick out in your mind? I know that you did the Australian Open recently yeah. with Jim Correa. A massive feat for you and a great experience i'm sure
1: yeah that was amazing jace you know and the day before they kept saying look there might be a chance we need you to call just be ready to go and i think what happened was because it was the first year they sort of realized maybe we don't have enough callers i, I think they might have copped a little bit of flak nine for not having um enough local callers because there's callers on every court tennis australia mm-hmm. has commentators on every court but it might be a south african and in an, England English person calling it, so it's a little bit random. Um, so I, they said I got called in late one night. Brent Williams, great fellow, said, uh, "Tommy, you're all set to commentate, can you do it?" I said, "Yep, ready to go." He said, "Right, you got centre court tomorrow. Uh, centre court tomorrow with Jim Curry. Is that fine?" I said, "Of course, absolutely." No, <laughs> crapping myself, you know, absolutely <laughs> shitting myself. So uh, it was, it was pretty scary, but thankfully got through. That's definitely a highlight, and I think the Olympics. I've only done one. I went in 2008 um, for Channel 7 at the time. We were a rights holder. I'd love to do more of that stuff, mm-hmm. Jace. more of that broadcasting type thing. But they're probably the two that stick out. And calling AFL footy week in, yeah. week out is pretty cool. You
2: mentioned well. you like racing. Have you ever thought about calling the horses? Mm.
1: Thought about it, but it just it's so difficult um, looking at colours. And I take my hat off. I think Terry McAuliffe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you guys yeah. have had him in yeah. yet. He's one of the best, I think, we have to. in yeah. the country. He's just phenomenal. I was lucky enough to see him work at the Bay Sheffield and the way he calls that, not knowing any of the runners, mm. but just being able to call it and call it accurately. Um, and racing, I think, is so difficult. The guys that do it really take my hat off. I think if you did it, you'd have to concentrate almost full-time just on that because it is such a difficult art to, to perfect. Because if you get it wrong punters will savage you very quickly.
2: Now, I must admit, boys, uh, Rennie actually had uh, a big part of me being down this path that I'm currently on. I um, threw another friend of ours, Rob Popplestone. Poppy. Uh, he got me in and said, <laughs> I, I really wanted to get involved in the media. I wasn't sure how to go about it. And, and Rob said, why don't I introduce you to Tom Wren? So one morning, he uh, scheduled a breakfast, a, a quick coffee. In comes flying Tom Wren, in, <laughs> in between probably a speaking engagement and the news, yep. he come in. And he said, uh, he met me and said, how are you doing? And I said, great. And he said, do you want a week at work experience at Channel 9? I said, mate, I'd, I'd love to. And he sort of supported me and did a week there, got hired from uh, a week work wow. experience and um, set me on this path that I'm currently on. Now you
1: did very well, though, Jace. You made a big impression on PUDs and also Andrew Rudder at the time, Rutt, who's still yeah. our chief of staff. So uh, he's obviously doing very well now at Channel 10. So, um, yeah, it, it's all about taking the opportunities, and it? It, it, it's hard work. and... You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it and you've spoken about it with others, but the way it's changed, like, you know, having to be on social media mm. and really active on it, I'm not great with it. I'm I'm better than I was, but it's bloody hard work. I find it tough. Um, I don't know how you guys sit with it, but it's constant. Yeah. You have got to be on it the whole time. Now, uh, you're on Channel 9 with Treaders. Yes, <laughs> Throw some dirt
3: on Treders. Oh, <laughs>
1: give us some dirt, oh, <laughs> He's a nerd. He's a nerd. If he if he hadn't played two hundred and fifty odd games and been the star that he was, I think he's the best player the powers yes. ever had in the AFL. Um, Wanganeen very close. Um, Chad Corns I'm trying to think. Kane obviously with four BNFs has to be up there. Roger James. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie Gray might Robbie. just eclipse him if he gets the premiership. Mm-hmm. But Treaders is a nerd. He's a, <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's so straight. Um, he loves a beer, yeah. but just what I love about him is he's very loyal. He'll mm-hmm. back you in, um, works hard, and, you know, this hasn't always been the case, But um, and I'm sure there are a lot of good ones, but Treaders, some readers I think are just happy to sort of do the reading, but if mm-hmm. you've got some information, um, because of the contacts he has, he'll mm-hmm. really work hard to back you up and say, yep, on the money, I've just made two or three phone calls, or... Rennie, uh, you're off the mark. So Man. you know maybe we, maybe we sack this one. I've heard that, and then you, you know How you'll go times back. How many that one come up? That, that's <laughs> happened. <all laughs> that. that's, that's happened a fucking <laughs> lot. Almost rolled off the tongue. But he's really good like that. So he um he's very loyal. Works hard. Um, but he's a massive nerd, but he could clean the crap out of me in in no time. So uh, he's a big boy. He's a big unit. To yeah, the don't point mess with where him. I've got to stand on a box every night. It absolutely <laughs> ruins my self confidence every how night. How
0: do you deal with that? You have to stand on a box sometimes to stand next to the great man, Warren Troy
1: You just got to own it, I think. So we do a lot on the road, and I think you just got to wear it like armor and, and be self deprecating before someone else is. Otherwise, you know, you just get chipped. But I don't mind. I mean, it's who I am. I'd love it if. I look at my boys now and I think, God, I hope you just end up being at least, you know, three or four inches taller than me so you don't cop a <laughs> lifetime of, of crap. But you just got to roll with it, I think. You do a, a lot of sports commentary, as you mentioned before.
0: I want to do a bit of a cornsy and jump back in the timeline here. But you, you spend a lot of time in the media and,
1: you know, your busy schedule. How much time do you actually get to prepare for these games on a weekend? Good question. Um, I try and do sort of three or four hours for one game if I'm doing it. So the way I remember. Players um, and I watch a lot of footy, but I'm good with numbers, so I'll write out the number. So I'm calling, you know, Crows and Richmond. I'll write out the numbers of the players, the 22, just so that it's photographic, you know, in your memory. Then, of course, the Crows and Port players, you see them move, you know, every week, so you can pick them straight away. Mm. Um, Whereas the other players maybe takes a fraction longer. I'd like to do more, but because, you know, you have got the job working as a reporter at nine and, you know, working at double A, you can't probably commit as much time mm. um, but yeah yeah, and then I'll try and do two or three little stats about each player so that you might only use three or four for the game but just so you've got that information mm. during a match um, actually Chris Dittmar who again another great caller he said to me very early on Rennie if you're going to do it what kind of caller do you want to be do you want to be Rex Hunt try and be funny do you want to be you know Bruce McEvaney and information do you want to be Brian Taylor and you know really out there what kind of caller are you going to be and I said oh look I'm I'm the straight guy. Like, I don't... Otherwise, people are going to say, you haven't played the game. Yep. You're not a funny guy. Um, just call it straight. Be excited. I like to be high energy. Um, so I tried to go down that path with a bit of information as well.
0: Well, there's also one amazing facet to your career, and that is you're not just a great media speaker and news gatherer. You're also a very talented... Member of, uh, I suppose, the trumpet parade. Everyone, anyone, who is, anyone who's anyone any good on a on a bugle. Now, is it
1: true that you got the opportunity on Anzac Day to do a little bit of bugling? Yes, yeah, so I did it. My great uncle, um, they have a little service down at Rosewater. He was in World War Two. Um, his name's Bill Wren, and he passed away a few years ago. But when I was ten, um, they didn't used to have anyone play it. So he knew that I played the trumpet, or he just started about a year earlier. So they used to have to have a tape machine. the last post so they said oh can you come out and play so um, I did and the old man had to kneel down and sort of hold the music in front of me because at that age I wasn't great at remembering Um, and so yeah pretty much every year since I've I've played it so I don't have the bugle unfortunately it's on the trumpet similar sound of course okay Um, but yeah I played it there are a couple of years I missed in Melbourne unfortunately where I couldn't come back because of work but tried to play it every year since, but if any buglers are out there, they'd be much better than me. Please come in and yeah, I
2: it know oh, it's a big moment, especially on Anzac
1: Day. Yeah, yeah, because I know that there's going to be a squeaky note or two. And I, really? it really shits me when I hear the guys play it before footy games because yeah. they're flawless. They, so, they don't make one mistake. So we might
0: have found just a little bit of your audition on the day. Let's have a listen. <laughs>
1: you <laughs> yeah, but i don't even play that well <laughs> that was a mistake i would have made three mistakes in that and
3: <laughs> so is there been a monumental mistake where with the bugle we've just went oh dear i've got to start again yeah. or people have gone yeah and what is going on there
1: was one year i reckon and i reckon it was when Dits came out i made a good five or six howlers along the way and I went, <laughs> oh, just got to keep going you just got to play it's like when you're you know reading in front of the camera you just got to plow on mm. it's It's not ideal, but you just have to get through it.
3: Now, I said during Anzac Round and in our audition, I said, surely the Buglers can't stuff it up. They've got all year to prepare. Do you prepare all year or you just bring it out? April 24, and bang, and away she goes. I'm pretty slack. Next day.
1: Yeah, I, it's a good question, Fletch. I usually, about two weeks before, go, bloody hell, it's come up quick.
0: Um, <laughs> better start practicing. And then, because
1: I've got young kids, I, I can't do it at home because it'll wake them what up. Might. So I do it in the car, down the road, a couple of hundred metres, where there's not many houses around, and just practice for 15 minutes, and then go back in, because you have to build the, the lips back yep. up. and Is and it like riding a bike? Yep. Yeah, it comes back pretty quickly, and it's only one tune. Yep. Um, so it's just that... But it's, it has to be two weeks. Otherwise, you're really going to struggle.
3: I'm, 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 I played trumpet in high school Oh, you too, did trumpet so there? Oh. Oh. Okay, I
1: have a bugle okay. off here. <laughs> well, Fletch, you're playing next year. Yeah. Right Fletch
0: is doing it.
3: Better get that tape out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you mentioned, Rennie, uh, a little bit about how difficult it can be on telly. You stuff up. How many times mm. has something like that happened? Any nightmares?
1: Yeah, there, there were. I think the cue died one night. Um, and there's been times where you sort of forget. Where you are, or the auto queue freezes, but then I just try and think slow down. Everything feels like it's an eternity. So mm. you might not talk for one second, but it feels like a minute, and you're thinking, I look like the biggest dill here. But you just have to take a little breath. Okay, where am I? It's not rocket science, yeah. it's only words, and just read. Just You'll be fine. Um, but it has happened a couple of times. I reckon One Bulletin a couple of years ago, and I take my hat off to Will McDonald, um, the whole auto queue conked out about five minutes before we went on air so they had to say look no auto cue the bits that you're on camera you'll have to remember them and then look down at your scripts because we had hard copies of scripts Mm. if you have to so he did the whole hour and i only had a six minute sports segment and he was brilliant that night but that was a bit nerve-wracking um but it's it's a bit of fun too i I actually prefer being out on location Mm -hmm. when you don't have the auto cue you've only got your phone and you have to remember the first bit on camera and then once the vision comes up yep. or the, mm. the scoreboard, then you can look at your phone and read it off your phone. <laughs> so that that's the only bit you have to remember. You've
2: covered so many big stories. What's the biggest one that you can think of in Adelaide during your time here that you've sort of uh, had your hand yeah, on? Yeah,
1: great question. I think, no question, the Phil Walsh story. Um, it was just monumental. I was here at AA um, mm. and I was on with Mike Smithson. We were doing breakfast and we got wind that there was a pretty significant story that had happened overnight um and Ben Avery came on I reckon it was about 20 to 7 that morning mm. and broke the news and it was just chaos after that stayed on 5AA was supposed to finish at nine o'clock finished I think at 11 instead and then race down there was working for Channel 9 that day and you guys obviously covered it were a part of it it was just awful the the magnitude of of that story um you know, I still am boggled by how the, the Crows dealt with it. They were so strong. But I think that was probably the biggest. And in Melbourne, um, Ben Cousins returned mm-hmm. to playing for Richmond at that stage. He'd come from West Coast. That was a really big story at the time. Uh, but I think the Phil Walsh one was certainly a lot bigger.
2: You were in the media for a long time. I'm sure you spent much of your time with Phil Walsh covering, you know, the Crows on a weekly basis. What was he like as a person? What was he like as a coach?
1: He was incredible. Um, And talking to Treaders and Cane Corns about him, he was thorough, intense, Mm. meticulous. And you got that as well from the media, very intense. Had eyes that could look straight through you, almost like he's looking at the back of your skull. But he was also really entertaining, very charismatic, had a good sense of humour. And I think um, really unfortunately we were only just starting to see that. I remember there was a press conference. Mm. I think Theodoropoulos asked the question about playing football and he was speaking about artwork and... You know, we've still got a few uh, more
2: canvases to paint. Canvases to paint, yeah, Yeah, and it
1: was just a brilliant line. Those kind of lines you never get from coaches. And he just pulled out these gems, um, and we were going to get so many more of them. Mm So it's so sad, and look, first and foremost for his family, but that we didn't get to see him be a coach in his own right for longer. Who knows, he could have been a premiership coach, a dual premiership coach, um, it would have been an incredible ride to see and watch unfold. So, you know, I I, I just really wish that we had been able to, mm. to witness that.
3: Now, you've interviewed plenty of superstars, megastars. Has there been a moment where you've pinched yourself and went, this is a real big idol of mine, and went, oh, dear. Um, do This is actually happening? <laughs> yeah, Tiger
1: Woods, when he came to Melbourne, wow. that was a big one. I mean, it was an all-in press conference. I actually prefer, you know, when you do get the one-on-ones mm. – um, and I really like him seeing and I'd love to do it more in this type of environment. I think you get people relaxed the way yep. you guys are doing it or on TV, you know, like a Michael Parkinson. Um, so I love doing the lunches. Mm-hmm. So I had Adam Gilchrist, Bruce McEvaney, uh once when I was over in Melbourne, Dennis Committee. I love those because it feels like they just give themselves to you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most, I don't know why, but one of the most intimidating, and he was lovely, um, but he just had a real presence. Usually, I think you know what they're just people. They're like yeah. you and I are, but they're just superb at you know one particular sport or thing. Gary Lyon had a real presence, and I reckon if he had been a coach, he would have been sensational. But he had a there's something about him. The way he carries himself, he has a real aura. And I know it's you know not that global international star, but He was someone that really spoke well and had a real physical presence about him. I was really impressed by um, his aura when I interviewed him. Tommy, I think we've just about run out of time with you, mate. But, look,
0: you have done some superb things in your time. You've got plenty ahead of you, and we know that we really enjoy anything that has your name on it. So thank you for taking the time with us. Um, we look forward to seeing you on the telly and on radio uh,
1: throughout the rest of the year and in the future. Thanks a lot, boys. Yeah, and uh, we must do it again sometime. We'll Absolutely. talk about some uh, some other sports More and stuff. More
2: speaking engagements. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so.
1: Book a brother up. Again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
0: boys. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening to the Press Box. We'll be back for Season 2 in January 2020.